hey there, ready to not just live and grind it out, but thrive in both your professional and personal life? Let's co-create that journey together. Here are three options. One, engage in thought-provoking conversations at our exclusive dinner party. Two, join Dare to Lead, my upcoming group coaching program, kicking off this fall. Three, or opt for personalized private coaching for a deep transformational journey. Don't just work, thrive. With meaningful work and personal fulfillment woven together, we'll create a life that feels as good on the inside as it looks on the outside. Ready to take the leap? Check the show notes for more. Can't wait to work with you. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wide Hello and welcome. This is Karen Motokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. I've often said that life is a classroom, and this is something I learned a long time ago. There's so many opportunities for us to learn and to gather insight, and I can talk with you about the science and the research, and one of the things that we are hardwired for our stories. And it actually allows us to hold on to that information a lot better than if I give you statistics and research. So I try to integrate them. But today I'm going to talk about overcoming resistance. And (laughs) I must say, this may be my like, superpower is overcoming resistance especially for other people, like really helping them overcome. And I have it in so many arenas. And so I'm going to share some of my own stories because I get, these are my stories and I get to share them with who I want to. And my invitation for you is as you listen to this, it's not about this one story, but what insight does it give to you that you can reflect back in your own life, right? So it's not that, oh, you have to go to summer camp to have this experience, there's resistance that we all have. And this is an example. I've gotten back because last weekend I went to my summer camp reunion. And this is my favorite place in the world. And it really actually makes no sense, especially because after I came back from my last trip and I declared to my family that I was bougie going to this trip, I was really concerned. I had resistance because I booked this, I don't know, about 10 months ago, this trip and this reunion. And I booked it mostly due to the urging of one of my good friends who encouraged me to go and we decided to go together. And I kid you not, leading up to this trip this last week, I just thought, maybe I'll just cancel. It's okay. And I started saying, well, it's okay that I already have a flight. It's okay that I already spent the money on the registration. I'm just going to cancel. And normally that would be a deal breaker because I don't like to waste money but I was feeling pretty overwhelmed. And again, I've done a lot of travel in the last 13 months. And I thought another trip, it's not easy to get there. It's a lot of driving, long flight, a lot more driving, a long travel day. And then on top of that, it wasn't bougie conditions. We were staying in the cabin line. And I say this in, when I think about 
1985 in my first year at this camp. It is in some ways your traditional summer camp. Boys on the other side of the lake. We stay in rustic cabins. There's no electricity. There are bunk beds. The bunk beds are much better in 2023 than they were in 1985. There are bathrooms essentially in a shed. There are stalls now. When I first went, there were just toilets. No electricity. (laughs) It's pretty rugged. And I thought, oh, can I do this? And I even said to her, I was like, maybe we rent a cottage or I didn't really know like what end to stay in because I've always kind of stayed in different places. And I've gone through the years. The last time I was there was 2017. I can't remember where I stayed because I've also been staffed there. So I've stayed in many different places. I've stayed in cottages, but I haven't been in the cabin line since 1991, my last year when I was a counselor. So here we go, going back to camp and staying in the cabin line. And I was like, I don't know, I'm bougie. Do I really go and do this camp thing? I'm really busy. It'd be so nice to have a long holiday weekend at home with nothing to do and to veg out. I had all sorts of resistance, you all, all sorts. And I was kind of dress rehearsing this, like, oh, this would be great. Like I can stay home and rest, get a lot of stuff done and just not endure this trip. And that didn't happen, obviously, because I did go and it was a long trip with flight delays and so on, because that's how we deal with air travel in 2023. And my daughter, my youngest daughter went with me and my friend had her own travel issues as well that were long. But we went, we flew into Canada, and then we went up to camp. And what I can say now at the end of it, and I've reflected a whole bunch and I thought about it, I've been processing and talking, but I've done a lot of trips over this last year. And this was the best trip with a cabin that had no electricity. So I want to talk about this resistance, right? I own my own resistance. I didn't want to go. There's other times that we had resistance at camp because this is a former, this is a swim camp and it's an athletic camp and we swim in the lake. (laughs) And I have never been in the lake in Canada in September. My latest is like early August. So it's been a long time. And I thought, oh, what if it's really cold? (laughs) And I haven't really swam I don't know when the last time I really swam was, but I haven't really swam in at least a year. So I had that own resistance about that. But here's the thing. When you have resistance, it's so important to really lean into it and be curious instead of so often we're like, oh, I have resistance. This means no, don't go, don't do it. It could be a sign that something bad's going to happen. Like my friend had contacted me when I was in New Zealand because she had all sorts of travel issues with her visa. And I was just confident that, okay, this sucks, but we're going to, she's going to be able to work this out. Right. And she was able to figure it out. It was complicated and she was able to get it all figured out, but I didn't take it as a sign of, oh, this wasn't meant to go. And I think that was really important. And as I noticed my resistances, it was a lot of it was, I was really tired and I have a lot more travel in quarter four as well. And so I thought, oh, the timing, but here's the thing. Sometimes we want timing to all perfectly lay out and sometimes it does and it's beautiful and sometimes it really doesn't. And the reality was this was the 95th reunion for my camp. The 90th, I didn't go. And part of it was I had some other obligations, some work stuff where I wasn't willing to miss that to go. And there was some other stuff that I'll talk about in another episode. But this time it was an open weekend. I could go. I was daydreaming thinking this will be fantastic to stay at home and rest. Now, here's what I know. 
I'd probably be after like about six hours of resting, I'd probably be frustrated and lonely and thinking I should be at camp because then I could be hanging out with my friends. And so the idea that I sometimes can have may not really align to the reality. Something I've talked about on the show many times. There were other areas of resistance. So there was swimming, there was, do I do the war canoe? So this war canoe is this tippy racing canoe. And we've done this all at camp and basically your body's hanging out and you're paddling hard and you're going into VO2 max. And the goal is that you paddle hard and strong so you don't fall out. And I've fallen out many, many times, banged myself up. And so, you know, of course, everybody's really excited because they want to get back in the war canoe. They're excited and scared. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. (laughs) I do not want to do the war canoe. And I had resistance about that. And some of my friends were very eager. And then I had one friend who was like, I don't know, like, I kind of want to do it. I kind of don't. Right. And what's really important is to get under what's it about. And so for me during the war canoe, it was not, I had resistance. And part of the resistance was I really didn't want to hurt myself. Right. I'm fragile. I'm trying to work on getting my body, you know, and my ankle and my feet. I've got all these issues, my back. And I evaluated it. It wasn't me dress rehearsing tragedy. When I didn't have these issues, I would fall out. When I was young and in my prime, I would fall out. And now for me to be on my knee, I don't think my knees could handle it. So I decided to opt out. I did have resistance on that, but it wasn't based in fear. It wasn't dress rehearsing tragedy. It was about taking the context in of what was that resistance about. And I have to be honest, there was a part of me that had a little bit, really little, like maybe 1% bit of FOMO, a fear of missing out of like, oh, but Corinne, you want to go and have this experience with your friends. But how I was able to have the experience is I took photos and videos of my friends doing it. And then I went and took care of myself and I did my foam rolling on the melt method, which allowed me a lot more mobility for the weekend. So we can have resistance in many ways. It can be maybe you're doing a work project and not wanting to do it and finding other things to do, right? Maybe you're distracting yourself and you're saying, I'm going to clean out my email inbox. Or maybe you're taking, you know, a break and doing stuff that isn't actually moving anything forward, right? Or maybe you're deciding to have a meeting or call somebody in the quote that you're networking, right? We can have resistance. Another way is, and this often happens for my clients is having hard conversations with employees, right? Like you're frustrated, you need to have this conversation, but you don't want to. (laughs) And the resistance may be, you don't want to be a jerk or you don't want to be a bitch or, you know, you don't want to be thought of poorly, right? But there's a problem with this employee or with maybe something they're doing and your resistance is getting in the way of solving the problem. Not that they are the problem. They may not even understand, but being able to teach them, being able to mentor them. And the hard conversation, or it can even be giving feedback, right? And so sometimes my clients, when they're in resistance with giving feedback, they're like, okay, but they're going to figure it out one day. I don't have to do that, Corinne. <laughs> we have that kind of resistance as well. And sometimes it could be, you know, getting our stuff done, getting ahead, and then instead doing something late on a Friday night or pushing it over into Saturday and the weekends when you can have some downtime away from work. So those are examples of resistance. My private clients, one of the things that they do is they can write these weekly reflections. And it's so interesting because one of my clients hadn't wanted to do them for a long, long time. And then just recently was like, I want to do this. And I said, okay, great. So I sent it to her 
And then there was resistance and she didn't like the questions. And we talked about it. The more that she was able to talk about it, I said, okay, I understand. And this is designed to help you train your brain so that it can be more compassionate so that you can have learnings instead of this beating ourselves up and this judgment and this criticism. It's a way to integrate the work that we do. And as we were able to talk about it more, and guess what? This week, she did it all. She did the questions, right? And we also realized that it's not about me giving her a gold star, right? Because my clients come in and it's about them being the leaders of their lives. It's not that I'm going to grade them or judge them. That's not my role here. But she had resistance in that. And this is something that she wants that support, but then has resistance to it. So if you have resistance for the things that you want, you're not alone. So here's the thing. Stephen Pressfield wrote a book, I want to say like in the 2000s called The War of Art, right? And he talks about resistance and he has another book, I think about resistance as well. But we have this idea that if we only had time, we could do more art, right? And maybe it's, maybe your art is writing, maybe it's writing a book, maybe it's painting, who knows, it could be doing a paper mache project. The reality is that even with the white space, there's still resistance. This happens. My clients will get that white space, but then they, they'll be off buying office supplies instead of doing their art. They'll be going on TikTok or they'll be doing these must-dos like laundry. It's like, no, Corinne, I must do this. You don't understand how much laundry we have. So we have resistance and often it's because we feel vulnerable and vulnerability is uncertainty, emotional exposure, and risk. So for me to swim in the lake, I have to remind myself that there are not any sharks. The movie Jaws has ruined me in open water swimming. And again, I have swam in this lake since 1985, many, many summers, many, many miles. I even did a 10K swim race a long time ago, right? Many, many, but I always have to remind myself there are no sharks in this lake. It may sound ridiculous, but when I get into that fear brain, that's what's coming up for me. So the uncertainty is, well, what if I dive in and there's a shark? There's not a shark. And reminding myself, what, what is that uncertainty? What is that vulnerability about? What is the true risk? That's really important. The risk on the war canoe was too much for me, right? The potential to become mangled was just too high. And I did, I'm, I'll share with you now, like I'm pretty darn mangled this week and I've had a massage and I've been to the chiropractor. I've just mangled right now. And I think that's just from sitting and lots of sitting and traveling and maybe sleeping in the bunk beds, who knows, but I'm mangled. And then coming back and putting in some long days with clients. So take a look at what that vulnerability is because the beauty of vulnerability is it's the pathway to what you want, as well as it gives you awareness and insight to what the risk could be for you, right? Not, not the dress rehearsing tragedy risk, but what really is the potential risk. And so one of the things with going back to campus, going back to this place that I love, I love the trees. I love hearing the loons. The water was like glass. And I was canoeing one day while my daughter was swimming and I was canoeing for it. It was so beautiful. And to be out there, right? And paddling again and remembering how to do all this and being able to dock my canoe, things that are so integrated in my bone and my being. Sitting around the campfire and singing old camp songs that I thought I forgot, but then the words somehow came out right? Even if I'm off key, that's totally okay. I'm sure more than sure I am because I don't have a great singing voice, but being vulnerable and allowing for all that experience, putting myself out there, right? Instead of, if I had not chosen not to have that, 
going up to people that I haven't seen and like one person, not since 1985, right? And being so thrilled to see her again. That was so worth the vulnerability of showing up and making this long, hard trip and not knowing what it was going to be like and who was going to be there and overcoming some of my own resistance. And some of the resistance was my own trigger of not belonging, right? Like, oh, what if I go back and everybody knows everybody, but I may not know as many people, right? There's that fear, even though I've been there many, many times. And the beauty has been is that I get to meet new friends, right? We have the song and it's like, make new friends, but keep the old. One is silver, the other's gold. There was more to it from Girl Scouts. I didn't know. We didn't see that part at camp, but we had that. And that's always been camp. But I had resistance about going to camp because of my own concern about not belonging, right? Not being the kid at the table all by yourself, right? That fear that we have. So being able to overcome our resistance is important. So one of the things that helped me overcome my resistance, like even though I did think that's okay, I've already paid money for not one, but two plane tickets. And I even thought, like I dressed for years, you know, Elle can go and I'll just stay at home. She can go without me, right? But so sometimes one of the things that can really help us with overcoming resistance is signing up and paying for it. Like that can help, you know? But again, I was ready to pull out. Maybe I'm more talk about it because that would have been a lot of money and I don't like to waste money. But signing up and paying for it, that's really important. I'm gonna go see Bruce Springsteen later on this year, but I think one of the first times I saw him 15 years ago, we had bought the ticket so far in advance. And I remember when it happened, my husband and I were driving, we we're going to San Jose. It's a couple hours, you know, it was a lot of work to like be able to go out in the middle of a work week and go to this concert. And I thought, gosh, if we had bought those tickets today, there is no way I would go. And that's kind of what happened with my camp trip, right? So signing up, paying for things is one of the keys that can help you overcome. The other is doing it with others right? So for some of my clients, they may have resistance about their reflection, but they also know that it's going to help them and I'm here to help support them and they get it into me and I have certain boundaries about what time I need it so that I can review it, right? So doing it with others. Sometimes my clients will have resistance about opening an email or a legal document or a 360 review or looking at their financials and their business. And so they'll do that on their call with me, because that helps them overcome their resistance of, of that fear, that vulnerability of the unknown. And then we can walk through it and they can process it. And they know that they have somebody on their team and it's a safe place, right? One of the things that was so beautiful about the overcoming the resistance is so that day my daughter wanted to go and I'd forgotten this when she was younger, she did do war canoe and she didn't quite remember that's what it was called. But when she saw them, she's like, oh, mom, I've done this and I know I don't like it and I have no interest in doing this. But what we wound up doing is we wound up going kayaking. We went in the K2 and she had a bit of resistance because she's like, no, I want to do paddle boarding. And I said, I understand that, but can we do this right now? Because there's all these people that can help us. And she'd never been in a K2. And one of my friends said, oh yes, it's not that tippy. I didn't put into context that she's a very, very good paddler and still has paddled. And I don't remember the last time I paddled. It probably wasn't 2017. I honestly don't remember. It may have been in the 2000s. I don't know. But at some point, 
in the last 25 years I've paddled. But I got out into that K2 and people helped and I jumped in and we paddled a bit and we flipped and people were great. They helped us along. They, you know, gave my daughter some tips. They helped us get back in, right? There was a lot of support. So one of the keys to overcoming resistance is doing it with others, having support, having somebody who's willing to teach you, to mentor you, right? My friend Beth asked my daughter, she said, do you know how to feather with your paddle? And she taught Elle that so that Elle could manage risk of, if she felt tippy, to feather to keep herself up. Doing it with others is one of the things you can do to help overcome resistance. The other thing is getting to what it is of why you don't want to do it, why you have resistance. So we'll talk about getting in the pool because whether it's getting in the pool or getting in the lake, after a while when you're aware enough that it is a little cold when you first get in, because not because that the well, the lake's cold, but the pool is typically 82 degrees and our body is 98 degrees. So you're going to feel that bit of shock. And when the air temperature is not that hot, you really notice it maybe for the first two to four lengths of the pool. So even Olympians, I remember, I think it was 2016, NBC Sports did this great commercial. I was asked, interviewing all these Olympic swimmers, what's the worst thing about swimming? And everyone was like getting in the pool, getting in the pool right? So we have this resistance. So getting really clear of what it is that you don't want, we don't want that shock. But then once we're in there, how much better do we feel? And that's one of the things that's really important is the evaluating afterwards. What was the experience like? Was it as bad as you thought? There were so many times I didn't want to get into the lake. And I was like, oh, I really don't. I remember just kind of grumbling about it because I knew it was going to be a shock. But once I got in, there was just this Ah, right. It was so worth it. The last morning we were there the night before my daughter wanted to go see the sunrise and camp has the most beautiful sunsets and sunrises. So we looked and it was, it's going to be at six 30. And so we decided, I said, you know, I asked them, my friends, we were all staying in a cabin. I said, Hey, would you guys want to go with us? And let's get up at six. And my friend lizard goes, let's get up at five 55. So she set her alarm. We woke up and one of my other friends is like, so are we really doing this? Are we really getting in a canoe? Because that, that was a bit more work. We'd need to get life jackets. We'd have to get the canoes out, then paddle out. Or could we just watch it from the dock? I was like, nope, we're going in the canoe. And so we all made our way, trekked our way down there, got in the canoe, paddled out, continued to paddle out, right? We were up early and we were really tired. And it was the first night that we finally got a really good night of sleep. And we sat around and it took a while for the sun to come up. We were out there for probably about 50 minutes watching the sun fully rise up. And we have some of the best pictures and it was just fun to be there together on our last day. And to have that experience was amazing. But we had a lot of resistance. We was, you know, the night before I was like, do we do this? And even that morning, like, hmm. And if somebody had said, yeah, let's not do this. We're too tired or it's going to be too cold. It would have been easy not to do it. But one of the things with my friends is that when we said that we would do it, we follow through. And my daughter was really, you know, astonished by that. Here are these people that would follow through on a commitment. And it was something that she had asked for, right? And she had just met them this weekend. So evaluating afterwards, what was it like? Was it as bad as you thought, right? That sunrise, we will always hold that. 
And now we have all these beautiful pictures and what an experience for my daughter to have a group of women. We call ourselves the 50 year olds, right? A group of women who are going to go and support her and go out and paddle and have this great experience, right? And be out there together and watch the sun come up. It was beautiful. So look for the key learnings when you evaluate, what are the things that you learned? And, you know, one of the things I'm sharing with you is that when we have resistance, one of the things that helps is doing it together, right? One of the things that helps is to have people who are going to support you and you can ask for what you want and they can say yes or no, do they want to do it and ask, would you do it again? And one of the things that I will do is get in a canoe to go watch the sunrise. Absolutely. And normally we get up at like seven, I guess. So we got up at quite a bit earlier. So here's my recommendation or here's my invitation for you. When you think about what you want to do, and especially when it's far away, like I bought this ticket back in November. So, you know, about 10 months ago, and it's easy to say yes, because you're like, yes, this is going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. Not really thinking through the details, not really thinking about what else may be going on, not even knowing maybe what the rest of my schedule will look like. Make a commitment and buy it or plan it, get others involved, you know, and when you plan it, plan it with others who may grumble with you, but will do it with you. That's so important to have that team because it's easier to hold yourself accountable with others than it is to do it alone. Now, one of the things I want to be really clear about with resistance is that resistance doesn't mean no, and let's not take it out of context right? Remember my daughter didn't want to do the war canoe and neither did I. And there may be other times like that I've had resistance and there was other stuff going on where it wasn't going to serve me. And that's really important. It's not like, oh, you have resistance. So you should just say, you should just overcome it and do it, but really take into context what's underneath it. What is it about? So that's where it's important to lean into the resistance. What is the objection about? And be curious be curious with yourself. No need to judge. Be curious. And if that's where you are right now, that is okay, right? Rumble with yourselves, lean in. And you can also take small steps to test it out. And we could say that the kayak was kind of a small step because if I had maybe thought, you know, had this powerful, I had these grand ideas. I was going to go paddle around Campbell's Island. (laughs) I couldn't even get out of the bay, right? So that was kind of like a small test. And I guess if I'd gone and paddled around Campbell's Island, maybe I would have said, that was amazing. Like, I'm going to go and try the war canoe, (laughs) right? So sometimes we need small testing grounds. And I talk about this with the swimmers, like the swimmers who come in and refuse to do warm up, but like we play Uno and then they get up and they race in a meet, right? They do one lap. What's the next small step? And what's the support that you need, right? I knew getting up would be a lot easier if my friends would get up in the morning as well. Now, it wasn't about guilting them. It wasn't about obligating them. It was an invitation, not an obligation. And they said, yes. And it was about having that experience, that shared experience together. And that made it meaningful. And I had to be willing to be vulnerable to ask. And a long time ago, I would have said, oh, I don't want to impose on them. So I'm not going to ask. And my daughter and I will just go do this on our own. And we would have missed out on this really incredible memory that I will always have. And then after you do it, or after you don't do it, it's really important to evaluate, not judge, but evaluate. What was the experience like compared to what you thought beforehand? What were the key learnings? And that's if you do it. 
right? Was there a gap in like, maybe you're really afraid, you know, there's going to be sharks. (laughs) Were there sharks? No, there aren't any sharks. Worried about so many fish eggs or smelling like fish. How badly did you smell like fish? And was it worth it? And if you didn't do it, how do you feel now? Not guilt tripping ourselves, but how do you feel? Are you comfortable with your decision? And while I may have had some magical thinking about the war canoe or definitely about the kayak paddling around Campbell's Island, it's at least a half a mile away, right? And then around it, I don't even know what the mileage is on that. But while I may have had some magical thinking about going on the war canoe and having this experience with my friends, I know deep down that that was the best decision I made for my body to not go in it and instead go kayaking and paddleboarding as well as do that melt method that I did to put my body back together after the long travel and sleeping on those bunk beds. So I am grateful for my decision and my independence, willing to do it my way. And here's the thing. My key insight is for the years of overcoming my own resistance over the years, I have become much stronger, much more self-aware. I have grit and resilience as well as more clarity on the boundaries I need to have in my life to support me. And now I invite you to take a look at what you may be resisting. Lean into what's going on inside of your brain. What are the thoughts you are telling yourself? Is there a shark somewhere? Own it. Love yourself. Don't judge. Right? Notice how you feel. When I think of sharks and lakes, I feel fear. I worry about that. I have to remember to breathe when I dive in. What does support look like? For me to swim in the lake, I don't want to swim by myself. I want somebody else there with me. That's how I swim in the lake, not by myself, but with others. So I share this with you because I own my story and I love myself through it. I laugh with myself, but it's always so fun to unpack the stuff that gets in our way or can also support us. So My friend, here's to you overcoming your resistance. Hey there, you know, coaching is a term you're hearing a lot these days, but let's be real. Good coaching, the kind that truly changes lives is more than a buzzword. Imagine your favorite sports team without their coach. Hard to picture, right? A coach is someone who sees their blind spots, pushes them forward to perform better and help them achieve their goals and above all, is always there to support them. And that's what I aim to be for you in your journey. But here's the thing. It's not just about advancing your career. It's about living in integration where the work you do is not only rewarding, but deeply meaningful. It's about fostering loving, connected relationships, not only with others, but also with yourselves as you do your meaningful work in your life. It's not about splitting your time perfectly between work and life because life in all its wonderful underpredictability doesn't work that way. It's about weaving your professional and personal life together in a way that each one enriches the other, allowing you to thrive in all the areas of your life. Here's how we can kickstart this transformative journey. One, dinner parties. Imagine an evening filled with fantastic food, thought-provoking conversation, and people who are on the same journey as you. We'll share stories, learn from each other, and of course, have a lot of fun and connection. Interested? Let us know where you'd like us to host one. You can fill out the form 
linked in the show notes. Two, if you prefer a group environment, join one of my group coaching programs. My upcoming one is Dare to Lead, starting this fall. It's an amazing way to grow surrounded by folks who share similar challenges and aspirations as you while they're pursuing to unlock their leadership potential. Three, for a more tailored experience, we can dive deep with private one-on-one coaching. This is a chance for you to focus purely on your journey, your goals, your struggles, and your growth. So three opportunities, one goal, thriving in a life where meaningful work and personal fulfillment are interwoven seamlessly into your life. Ready to take the next step? All the details are in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter for updates. Remember, growth isn't just about work. It's about creating a life that feels good on the inside, not one that just looks good on the outside. So let's do this. Can't wait to work with you. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so. Sold-